So, Lord, we come now to thank you for the things that you have done for us. The way you love us, care for us, teach us. Sometimes we know it and sometimes we don't. But, Lord, we thank you now for all the things that you do for us. We thank you for this time which we can spend together now in fellowship with you, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and with each other. Lord, we pray that all that he said and done this morning will be to your glory. We pray, Lord, that you will bless us, that you will help us to know and feel the love that you have for us, that we will be lifted up and empowered to do your will and to be like your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Please hear our prayer now. We ask it through Jesus. Amen. Uh, Charlie will come and give us our weekly announcements. Morning everyone, good to see you. Good to see you. A warm welcome, it's nice to see a couple of visitors, nice to see Emma, it's nice to see Hannah and Elliot. Did I see Hannah in a sling? No, no, again, oh dear. Um, It's good to welcome everybody uh, today. And we've had an update from Operation Christmas Child. And to say that the boxes from the Bethel were delivered to children in Central Asia and ours contributed to the 85,395 that went to that area. And through those shoebox gifts, we've been able to show children around the world living in difficult situations that they are loved and not forgotten. And many of these children will never have received a gift in their life before. So please pray for the local partners who work in challenging circumstances to ensure that the children receive these gifts and we thank God that the Bethel continues to be able to contribute to Operation Christmas Child. And so we come to our care news, which Joe has prepared. Thanks, Joe. Um, John Downer is making good progress following his operation. And he and Ruth were hoping to be here. Not made it. <laughs> um, Sam Parker has been in touch with Andrew, and he's hoping to have a knee replacement soon. Marion has been visiting the week. She's not well, but she keeps positive. And Jack is preparing to have surgery on 24th of March. And please pray for Jack as he, he gets ready for that. Joe is preparing the care news next Sunday as well. So anything for next Sunday, please pass to Joe. So Tony's asked if I'd do the pastoral prayer. So if you'd like me to include uh, anything or anyone, then please let me know now. Okay, just remain seated and we'll pray together. Father God, you are everywhere in our lives and in the lives of people who who don't know you. Lord, help us as a church to be a good witness to your love and your faithfulness. Help us to respond to your calling and help us to shine brightly in the worlds that we live in and the worlds that we inhabit. Father, we pray for blessing on all the activities that we have arranged for this week and that are coming up. We're starting to think about Easter, Lord. Perhaps the, the, the most significant time in our calendar to shine the light of your love through the giving of your son, Jesus. So we pray for blessing on all our arrangements. And we think of our family, Lord, and the various issues that that are, are being faced. We think of, of John and are thankful for his good progress following his operation. 
we think of Sam, who we haven't seen for a long time, and we um, we bring to mind his his smiling face and think about him and the the upcoming operation that he's about to have. Think of Marion and her ongoing struggles and thankful for her positivity. We think of Jack as he prepares for surgery. And we think of uh, John over in the Congo. Uh, seems to be one step forward, two, spe- two steps back for John. Um, but we know that he's staying positive and we pray that the, the right things will happen to help him to move forward in his life. And we think of Hannah and uh, the ongoing issues with her shoulder and also the big challenges that she faces, the big decisions to make. Lord, we pray that you'll, you'll bless her as she makes those. And we think of Heather. We think of Heather and the family as they support her mum um, through some dif- difficult health issues. And we also think of Heather's family friends who are, who are suffering at the moment with the loss of a loved one. Lord, people we know, people we don't know. But at the same time, we want to open our hearts to all those who have need. Knowing that you are a God of compassion, of strength, and of love. Bless as we pray. Amen. If you just stay seated to round off our uh, pastoral time, we will sing uh, Praise Lord number 92. Uh, We're just having one reading today, and that will be Luke chapter 6, and Tim will come and lead us in that. Reading from the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, and his disciples began to pick some ears of corn, rub them in their hands, and eat the grain. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you ever read what David did when he and his his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some, some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, 
whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. But I tell you who hear me, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look to the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings the evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. What an amazing chapter. I had... uh... I had envisaged that our thoughts would be taken from Luke chapter 6 and we will, we will touch Luke chapter 6 but I want to go back a few chapters so we find Jesus here at the start of his ministry so you know within Luke we've got from about Luke chapter 4 through to Luke, the end of Luke chapter 9 we have a description of Jesus' ministry in Galilee, in the, in the north of Israel. I want us to go back to the very start of his ministry. If you just go back to chapter 4, please. And in the middle of chapter 4, we find uh, Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth, in the synagogue, and he is he's doing a Bible reading. He's got... He's got a scroll of Isaiah, and he reads uh, these words, verse 18 of chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They were there like you and me. They'd gone to church Do you know, it was their day of worship, and a a brother in the church, somebody that they knew and they'd met with and they worshipped, stood up and read a prophecy from Isaiah 
and said, I fulfill that prophecy. And this is the start of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was interested by that passage. Do you know what to anoint is? I read that the, 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 root, the anointing was a practice that developed from shepherds who used to oil the ears of their sheep so that they wouldn't be attacked by flies and whatever. And as time moved on, that became symbolic of blessing and protection. I read it. I don't know if it's true. In Bible times, to anoint somebody with oil was symbolic of God's blessing or a particular calling. A person was anointed for a special purpose, to be a king, to be a prophet, to be a builder. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. That's what Jesus read. And then he said, I fulfill that prophecy. God chose Jesus. In Acts chapter 10, don't turn to it, Peter says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. God anointed. We read on, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind to release the oppressed. I found it interesting to note that the word that's used for freedom and release in this translation is used 17 times in the New Testament, and the other 15 times it's translated as forgiveness or forgive or forgave. The sense of the word prisoners is in the sense of prisoners of war. The idea behind the word oppressed is broken in pieces. Luke 21-24 reads, They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners. That's the sort of context of prisoners there. With a little, little bit of literary license then, we could read that passage as, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim forgiveness for those held captive by sin and recovery of the sight for the blind, to forgive those broken in pieces by sin. This is the start of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the framework, this is the context 
God is the architect. Jesus was sent by God. God had a plan. God sent Jesus to preach the good news. The good news about the forgiveness of sin, that that barrier that lies between us and God, that thing that God hates, not that he hates us, but he hates the things that we sometimes do. And out of love, God forgives our sin. So Jesus' ministry at the very start is, is about a reconciliation between us and God. And the following chapters then, we, we, see, we see what that ministry entails. So Jesus is teaching and he is healing and he is showing God's love to people. And he is a driven man. Verse 42 of Luke chapter 4, we read these words. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. They were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because this, that is why I was sent. I must preach. That word is sometimes translated as ought, or had to, or should. It's not some airy-fairy, flimsy Do you know, there's nothing on tonight. I will go and. Do you know, there's real drive and there's real passion in what Jesus is doing because he is fulfilling the mission that God has sent him to do. God wants us to know him. He wants reconciliation with us. Luke chapter 5 we have the story of the, uh, the paralytic who uh, is let down through a roof to, uh, to be presented to Jesus. And whilst Jesus does eventually heal the man, the first thing he does is forgive his sins. And I think there's a whole load of really good reasons why he does that. You know, during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ... You know, if you uh, had some sort of disability or you were poor or whatever, it was because you were sinful, frankly. That's what people largely thought. And you have this poor paralytic man. And, you know, I've, I've read that passage and you've gone, you know, I could see how that man would feel utterly downtrodden. It's bad enough that the guy's a paralytic. But on top of that, society tells him he's paralytic because he's a sinner. Either he's sinned or his parents have sinned. And I just think the combination of that must have been absolutely horrendous. And so when Jesus sees the man, he deals with the man's greatest need, which is not to walk, actually, but to be freed from the, bill, the, the burden of guilt. And he goes, I forgive your sins. Then he says, get up and walk. But actually, within the context of what we've just read Jesus doing in chapter 4, that's what he was there for. It's about forgiveness of sin. It's about reconciliation. 
And actually, the physical stuff actually is secondary. God loves us. And God has sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to us to show us that love. And this is what Jesus says. And this is what Jesus does. Still in chapter 5, Jesus ends up talking to Levi, who's a tax collector. He was a popular guy. And Jesus calls him to be a follower. And Levi follows him, becomes a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he throws a dinner party. And Jesus goes, as do a lot of uh, tax collector friends. And Jesus is criticised because he's with sinners. Luke 5.29 Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? We're religious people. We're good people. We don't mix with them. It's catching. Might get dirty. Do you know? Don't do it. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus went to meet with them. Jesus wants to meet with us. You know, people like you and me, ordinary people, flawed people, nice people, sometimes horrible people, people who do good things, some people who do horrible things at times. I don't read any conditions on this. It's just a generic statement I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Those of us who commit little sins, those of us who commit big sins, if there is such a thing, which there isn't, by the way, but that's another discussion. That's what God sent Jesus to demonstrate and to do. To call us, irrespective of who we are and what we are and what we've done and what we might do. Because he loves us. That's the message of scripture. So we get to chapter 6. And in the end, we're only going to look at one little bit of chapter 6, because we'd have been all day, and who knows how long. Turn to Luke. 6 verse 27 please it must be one of the hardest teachings that we we come across and Jesus says but I tell you who hear me love your enemies do good to those who hate you Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. 
If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. I can't drive five miles sometimes without wanting to get out and smack somebody in front. Which is a sad admission and a bit sad, but hey, that is sometimes the way it is. I tell you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Well, point number one. Stops you sinning. It's what it's about. Do you know, I think that is what it is all about. It stops you sinning. We could have spent a bit more time looking at, you know, what's titled blessing, blessings and woes and some of the other teachings in there. And it's, you know, it's very much about Jesus teaching you not to even start down a path which will lead to sin. So... The first point is, it stops you sinning. It potentially brings peace, maybe peace to you, maybe peace to other, other people, and harmony and reconciliation. It's what Jesus did. Just think about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. A year of service, a year of giving up everything, of preaching, of healing, of loving and caring. And after three years, cruel and wicked men took him and they nailed him to a cross. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. It's about being Christ-like. It's about being godly. It's easy, I think, for sometimes for us to be insecure and think that, you know, we are the worst of the worst and nobody could love us and whatever. This is Jesus teaching us how we should behave. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. So let's assume that you are the lowest of the low and you are virtually unlovable. Do you know, the command here is that you are still to be loved. And as challenging as that might be for us, it's what God does. So if you are hateful, God still loves you. If you are seeking him in all sincerity, God still loves you. God does not want a barrier between us. He doesn't want us to be sinners. He doesn't want to do things that are wrong. Because he knows we suffer as a consequence, either directly or indirectly. It's out of love that he wants us to live a sinless life. 
And he calls us. And he demonstrates what that life is to be like. Jesus showed us. He showed us what true love is. And he says, I want you to respond to that. In a little while, we will take a little bit of bread and have a little drink of wine because it reminds us of the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. God anointed his son. God sent his son so that we might know him. And all we need to do, all we need to do, that all is in inverted commas, by the way, is acknowledge that and respond. Learn to put our trust in him. No conditions. Doesn't matter how low we start from or how high we start from. It's just about us acknowledging who we are and acknowledging what God has done for us and responding to that. to remember that as we sit here now we are worth the life and the death of God's Son the Lord Jesus Christ Martin will uh, lead our thanks for the bread uh, after we've sung our next song we bow down and confess you are Lord in this place We've heard about good news to the poor. We've heard about freedom for prisoners of sin, forgiveness for prisoners of sin. We've heard about recovery of sight for those who can't see. We've heard about healing the crushed releasing the crushed and bruised Jesus spoke those words and applied them to himself and Lord as we take bread we see that that wasn't just an em- those weren't just empty words it wasn't just something that he that he said without following through at the cost of his life not just his death on the cross but the life that he lived before and the life that he lives now <coughs> demonstrates to us that those words are promises that we can bank. Promises that we can have confidence in. Lord, as we share this bread now, we align ourselves to those promises and we hold fast to those, to that hope of good news of freedom, of recovery of sight, of freedom from oppression. 
And Lord, I pray that we will live our lives as though we believe in the year of the Lord's favour. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And this wine, your blood, Jesus. And you loved us so much. Not just that you died on the cross. Not just that you rose from the dead. But that you gave us an example. An example that when you got out of bed every morning, you chose God. And you chose God first. So Jesus, help us learn from that example. And when we get out of bed every morning, help us choose God first. Help us choose you. Help us choose life. And help us choose love. And help us remember that in how we interact with each other. Thank you for this very simple symbol that means so much. Amen. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's sing our next song, number 28 from Praise the Lord. This time that we spend together should empower us, it should give us strength, it should help us to face the challenges that we, that we sometimes have to face. And that sort of sentiment is are conveyed in the words of this song. So we sing, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One because he's given us Jesus Christ. And now let the weak say I am strong and let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done. Luke six forty six, we read, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what, do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Where is your foundation? It's Mother's Day today, isn't it? There's the card bought for loose. It says, to my wife, tell you what, dear, as a Mother's Day treat, why don't you cook us all your favourite meal? It's a Mother's Day card. 
I have written all my love on the inside. So, do you know, is it not a valid card? No, it isn't, is it? Because it's a card not about Lucy. It's a card about me. In the early part of uh, Luke chapter 6, Jesus has a couple of run-ins with the Pharisees where they, uh, they jump on his disciples for picking grain and rubbing it between their hands, which was essentially threshing and work. Can't do that on the Sabbath. And also uh, when Jesus heals the man with the withered hand. That's work and you can't do that on the Sabbath. And I'm wary of picking on the Pharisees because in a sense they're, e- they're an easy target and to be honest, we're all guilty anyway. However, I just there is warning in this because they were very religious people. They knew their Bibles. They were recognised as, as religious people. They were zealous and they were fervent And when God's Son stood before them, they did not recognize him. And I think, in a sense, the lesson here is that, you know, as we leave and as we try to draw closer to God, we do it by getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that crosses, you know, our religiosity or, you know, what happens out in the big bad world then that's just what has to happen Jesus was teaching them it's not about being religious but it's about being godly Luke 6 verse 39 he told them this parable can a blind man lead a blind man will they not both fall into a pit a student is not above his teacher but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. We need to have Jesus as our teacher. John will come and close in prayer after we've sung our final song, which is a song of dedication. Uh, Lord of all power, I give you my will. Mighty Father, We thank you so much for this day that you've given us when we can meet together here as a family. Father, we have been reminded that it's Mothering Sunday and it's a day of the year when we are reminded of the love of that member of the family whose work so often goes unnoticed and it's the constancy of mothers that is so often forgotten. It's the constancy of love and work and faithfulness. And Father, we are reminded of you today, of your constancy. Our brother Tony has exhorted us today and reminded us and challenged us through your words of scripture, through your holy word, and challenged us today. And it's your constancy of power your constancy of truth and your constancy of love who is the Lord Jesus Christ 
your son challenges us to be like him to love our enemies that's a hard one to speak truthfully to love mercy to act justly this challenge we must accept and try try and try again to be like our dear friend our saviour Father God we thank you for this day you've given us we thank you for the challenge you've set us but most of all we thank you for this family that you've brought us to be with not just here in this room not just here in this country but in this world Father we thank you for your love for your challenge who is our brother, our saviour, the Lord Jesus, in whose name we ask this prayer to bless it.